0: Hey, what's up guys? My name is Dave and this is Battle Ready Saints. The whole purpose of this channel is to equip Christians to live lives that are oriented towards the kingdom of God. Because if you're a Christian, one day before you know it, you're gonna be standing before God and you'll have to give an account for what you've done with the time that he's given to you. So my whole goal here is to help equip my brothers and sisters in Christ as well as myself so that when we do stand before God, we have something to offer. So with all that in mind, what better place to start than with the gospel itself? And who better to talk to than somebody who's been faithfully sharing the gospel in hostile territory for years? I've actually had the opportunity to go over to the country in Asia where Eric serves and see firsthand his handling of the gospel. It is very infectious and inspiring. So whether you live in a closed country like Eric that is very unfriendly towards the gospel, or whether you live in the U.S. where we enjoy a lot of religious freedom, This should give you a clear picture of what the gospel is, according to Scripture, what we as believers should be doing with it, as well as offer some practical steps for how to take the gospel and go out into the world and live for Christ. Enjoy. All right, so I am here with Eric, who is over in Asia, and he has been uh, over there sharing the gospel for 13 years in uh, not uh, super friendly territory, and we're going to talk about taking the gospel into battle as, as Christians. So um, first, I'd like to just thank you, Eric, for, for joining, and, and welcome.
1: Thanks, man. Privilege to be here. Always encouraging to remember the gospel personally, um, proclaiming it to myself and helping others proclaim it. Uh, proclaim it better.
0: Yes. All right. So I kind of wanted to use um, Ephesians six uh, as as a bit of a launching point. Uh, in in verse twelve, it uh, Paul's kind of calling us as Christians to engage in spiritual warfare against powers and principalities and all that. And he goes on to describe our spiritual armor. And one of the pieces of armor is the gospel. And uh, so if we're going to be faithful Christians that are going out into the world and living for the kingdom of God and engaging in that spiritual warfare, then uh, a, a clear understanding of the gospel and what it is and what we're supposed to do with it seems like uh, essential, like foundational to to what it is that we should be doing. So I was wondering if we could start out with maybe just defining the core elements of the gospel according to scripture.
1: Yeah, and I, I love how you, how you say that, that getting the core elements, that uh, what I want to do right now is just lay out the essence of the gospel. Um, I don't know if I can get every aspect of it and everything that's related to it and the relationship of it. But yeah, the core for the core elements of the gospel, let's just go to First uh, Corinthians 15.
2: So, yeah, First Corinthians 15, one
1: through three or one through uh, four. Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel that I preach to you, which you received and which you stand first off, first one, the gospel that was preached to you, every single use of the gospel, good news, message of life, and whatever variant you want to use in the New Testament, is always associated with a verb, either proclaim or preach, um, that the gospel is by definition news. So it's something that is said, it's something that's communicated.
2: Um, by which you are being saved.
1: So uh, they're looking in uh, 1 Corinthians 15:2. Uh, another thing, by definition of the gospel, it's something which by it you are saved. Uh, uh, an attribute of the gospel is that you must believe it to be saved. So if you want to add something to the gospel um, and you don't have to believe it, to, to be saved, you're, 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 you're changing you're changing the essence of the gospel. So mm-hmm. for example, our, our, our good works. Um, yes, uh, Christ, we're going to get in a little bit later how our good works relate to it, but we are not saved by our works or our works are something that flow out of uh, our relationship with Christ. It doesn't, um, our works don't save us. And they and nothing we do is the gospel, so the gospel is what Christ has done it's not anything we do, and so uh, so yeah, because we are saved by what Christ has done, mm. uh, and can, continuing there in, in fifteen two, if you hold fast the word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain, for I delivered to you as of first important what I also received that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. So if I had to answer the question, what is the gospel? I would say kind of these points. It's news. It's a message um, that Jesus Christ is Lord, that he's the object of our faith, Um, that he died for our sins so that we could be saved and rose again and that as he rose again we will he will also raise us and that in Christ we are reconciled to God so that God no longer counts our trespasses against us so the essence of the gospel is those things right there and mm. i could expand upon each of them so when i say Christ as lord that the object of our faith is what um is what saves us it's very important that christ is the object of our faith not not ourselves not anybody else not any other work but it's but it's it's jesus and and even who is this jesus um so john 8 for example says unless you believe that i am he you will die in your sin and then he goes on to say that before abraham was i am and so understanding christ correctly not just as a uh so Muslims would believe in Jesus as a as a sinful man no right. that that is not uh the object of their faith there is not correct he is lord uh he is second person of the trinity he is he is the god who created the universe so hmm. placing faith in him correctly is part of the gospel
0: hmm. yeah i like I like that you point out that the, that the gospel is news and it's not something that we do, but it's something that Christ did that we proclaim. That mm-hmm. I feel like that 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 sums up really well like kind of the idea of what it is, how we're supposed to handle it. Um, that it's not that it's not something that we do. But did I did I interrupt you or you?
1: No, that's that's exactly right.
0: Yeah. D- do you think that there's um well i w- i would say that 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 this is an area that is talked about often and not explained uh thoroughly all the time like, if if we were to talk to the average christian in the west i think that if we just ask them hey what's the gospel there would probably be uh that would probably be a harder question to answer than you might think at first blush because as you know the, the the gospels talked about so much in the new testament and as christians we use that term a lot but if someone were to say hey what's the gospel um i i wonder if there's any misconceptions that you've found that you stumble across rather often with uh with with christians
1: oh 100 so um, a professor at uh, Trinity uh, Evangelical uh, Seminary, what, let me see what's the name of it, where D.A. Carson teaches, He acts, mm-hmm. uh, Trinity Evangelical Divinity School in Illinois, he asked his students, so these are seminary students, and he asked them, what's the gospel? And he got a wide range of answers. Some said the gospel is believe in the Lord Jesus. Uh, he said, others said, it's love God and love others. So as long as you're, you're trying to love God and love others, that's the gospel. Another Mm -hmm. said, um, the gospel is social justice. So Mm -hmm. trying to change society for, for the better and trying to bring a just society. And so that's at a, um, a, a seminary that you and I would very much respect. Um, I also went around, uh, uh, a univer- a Christian university near me, and I won't say the name of it um but uh and I asked people what is the gospel? Most of these bible students could not could not explain it
3: hmm. yeah
1: they would they would just give just anything that has to do with Christianity they would say somewhere some, are, some would, would say it's it's good work, social justice, believe in Jesus. Uh, I think well, yeah, one student I think said it said it rightly, um, first Corinthians fifteen. And so yeah. you can you really can get any answer. Um another
2: oh uh, so let me let me read this. Uh, I prepared this. Um where am I
1: at? Okay, yeah. So for a hundred years, a missions group was working in Afri- with a group in Africa called the Maasai. And during that time period, an idea became popular. That, and that was, if you want to bring the gospel to Africa, then forget your churches and build your hospitals and orphanages. And so hmm. what they thought, and this was, their, this was their language, forget your churches and build your hospitals and orphanages. And so what they thought would really transform people was to be able to do a great multitude of works that they could not, that the people would not be able to deny. But what happened after about 50 to 75 years is that they had no local Christians. They had a bunch of people that enjoyed schooling, healthcare, but very few Christians. Hmm. Um, then one missionary decided he wrote his home church and asked for permission to do something different. He said, I'm just going to preach the gospel village to village each week for six months. And at the end, I'm going to ask them if they want to follow Christ. And the result was four out of six of the entire tribe came to Christ. And the book about this is called Christianity Rediscovered. Hmm. Um, So. So basically the common mistake of the gospel over and over again is people confuse the result of the gospel um with the gospel itself. So basically people constantly come up with a workspace gospel where the gospel is it's what they, they would say it's what Jesus did and it's what you and I did. But once they yeah. add that and and it's our work, they end up they end up redefining the gospel in a way that that the New Testament um, does not
0: allow for. Yeah, yeah, because it seems that the the Bible is very specific about what the gospel is, and it, a lot of these examples that you're bringing up of common misconceptions are, you know, good biblical principles or teachings. You know, love mm. God, love your neighbor. Like those are the two greatest commandments. Jesus said that. Or building hospitals and orphanages. You know, the uh, what is it in in Jude? He's is it Jude where he says that like the purest form of religion is, or I think it's James is taking care of widows and and orphans. Right. Like these are good things, but they're, they're just not the gospel. And you know, so if, if we're going to actually do what it is we're called to do as Christians, we're going to need to know what the gospel is and be able to differentiate it just from good biblical principles. And, uh,
1: yeah, yeah. because I can, I can tell you about, Muslims that that adopt or care for the poor or sure. try to bring about social change and so if they have the gospel then in a sense what are we doing why are we sending what are we sending missionaries for why are people suffering being persecuted being I interview people beaten for their faith I've personally been threatened
3: mm-hmm. um, it's
1: just why are people suffering so much if the gospel is just just care for people and be be really kind
0: yeah yeah so i i really like um you know first corinthians 15 that passage i think that's one of the clearest explanations of what it is that the gospel is but i i wanted to just bring up um mark 1 15 which is i think the first time that we see the gospel mentioned and because i i think that mark's supposed to be the, the earliest gospel, like it was written the, the earliest. And oh. in Mark 1.15, uh, well, I'll start in verse 14 for, um, for some context. It says, now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. So my question is, is that gospel that he's referring to there, the same thing that Paul's talking about in First Corinthians 15. Because some of it oh, hadn't yeah. happened yet. So like how do we understand that?
1: Oh yeah. I mean, just just when you look at it here, repent and believe the gospel, it's kind of like, whoa well, what does what does he mean? Like he's going to start explaining things. So um but he doesn't it, It doesn't explain everything right here. It's just so. If I were to ask you, like, okay, it it says here he started proclaiming the gospel of God, but it doesn't it doesn't say everything what
2: he's proclaimed. Right.
0: Yeah. So so, what we would say is what that he's he's proclaiming the. The first parts of what it is that Paul gives us the complete picture of, because obviously he hadn't died and raised from the dead yet at that point. Now Mark knew that he had, and so it seems possible that, like, or plausible that Mark's just taking for granted that the reader understands what the gospel is, and he's explaining that this is where Jesus started his ministry, and um, we hear, we see him calling people to repentance and to follow him as, as Lord right, which would be the first, which would be uh, one of the, the core elements of the gospel.
1: Yeah, like, it just says, it's just introducing the book, it's saying, he went around proclaiming the gospel, and then you got to read the rest of the book to see what he's proclaiming. You yeah. can't get it all in that sentence, it's just the introduction to the book.
0: Yes, okay. And so,
1: uh, yeah, you and I talked talk through email before, and Another way to say the question is well wow, so did Jesus preach the same gospel as Paul and yeah. Jesus preached every element uh that I listed when I when I defined the gospel um Yes So
2: yeah let me see cuz I have a list here Okay yeah I like
1: uh from from if you, if you look at John 3, for example, Jesus sitting down with Nicodemus and saying, you must be born again uh, for God to love the world, that whoever believes in, in, in his son will not perish but have everlasting life. Like, there you get a very clear conver- uh, gospel presentation from Jesus. Other times it just says he preached the gospel, and then other times you get specific examples of what he preached. So uh we can see early on in John for example that he started telling people from the beginning um that he would die uh, when he says to the Pharisees to destroy this temple when in 3 days I will I will build it up. So he started mm. that's one of the the very first messages he gave, gave as he started his earthly ministry and he talks about his death and resurrection. Now did people understand it? No. The, they didn't they just kind of argued about it and they ended up wanting to crucify him about that for, for that reason but from the beginning he starts explaining it like when we're given specific examples of his words we see the elements that uh that I brought up earlier
0: yeah yeah i, th- I think that's really important like you said to keep in mind the context of these verses even if they're in the beginning of the first of Mark which is the first gospel the context is still within the church that has that has been teaching the the entirety of what's taught in the new testament so we can't just take these passages in isolation but we want to you know, mm-hmm. put, them, put them in that context yeah yeah that's good so so the so the gospel the the core elements of the gospel would be that Jesus is lord that he came and died for our sins And rose again, uh, which uh, you know rose again from the dead, and so he serves as an atonement for the sin that was disrupting our relationship with God, and now we can have that right relationship with God through the work of Jesus on the cross. That be that be correct? Yeah. Okay.
1: The Second Corinthians, Second Corinthians five, I think, is another good. Summation of the gospel because it actually explains what the me- re- message of reconciliation is that God mm-hmm. was reconciling man in Christ, not counting their trespasses against us. That, I mean, however you say it, that we're born, um, we're born enemies of God, um, born under the wrath of God, born into sin, born into death, and that we need to go from death to life. We need to come into a right relationship with God. We need to be born again. We need to be a new creation. We need him to adopt us as his children. We need him to forgive our trespasses. We need him to give us eternal life Um, and so on and so on. But the the central essence there, Jesus as Lord, died for our sins, rose again, reconciling man to God. That's the the
2: bullseye. Yeah. Um, Yeah, that's the center.
0: Awesome, yeah, so now that we've we've got a, a good clear biblical definition of what it is that the gospel is, um, what would be the 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 proper place in a Christian's life for that gospel like how do we prioritize that as we go you know we've we're all um, we, we all have jobs and families and all kinds of things that are pulling for our attention we have our walk with God um, you know discipleship things like that so what's like where does the gospel sit in in our lives what should what what kind of attention should we be giving to it
1: yeah so uh one phrase we use a lot is preach the gospel to yourself um so often you need to stir up uh by way of reminder the truths of the gospel so that you live out of it
2: so if i thought of So you started talking about Ephesians 6, and let's
1: go back there. Okay. Okay. And so you can think of the Christian life, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil, right? And then it goes on, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, against rulers, authorities. So part of the Christian life is taking up the uh, armor of God standing against the schemes of the devil. So in Revelation twelve ten, Satan is described as the accuser of the brethren who would try to accuse the brethren before God day and night. And so for one, picking up the gospel, realizing that you really are safe, you're really reconciled with God, you're a child of God, there is no condemnation for those in Christ, none that I think the Christian without remembering the gospel will turn to a workspace gospel that they'll constantly think, well, how can I come to God tonight when I sin, when I've said something wrong, when I've done something I regret. And they start, they want, they start rightly believing in the gospel, but then they're tempted to turn to a workspace gospel and live out of that. And so um, I think there's a lot of, a lot of dangers in forgetting the gospel there.
2: Um, mm. Like, let's see, I was, I'm thinking of Galatians 2, uh, 16
1: through 3:10. Yeah, just some verses there. We know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also believe that Jesus Christ in order to be justified by faith in Christ, not by works of the law, because by works of the law, no one will be justified. You're good. If a Christian starts turning to a works-based gospel, there will never be joy there. There will mm. always be more they can do. And they'll start allowing these, the accusations of Satan to stand against them. They'll start counting them as, as worthy. And they'll, They'll start tearing themselves down, like think about when jesus says um uh how's he say it exactly like what you store up in your heart comes out so uh
2: how's he say it It's like out, Is of it the, out of the out of the abundance of,
0: of the heart the mouth speaks or something like yeah,
1: that yeah, also that I'm also thinking about the, the 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 pools, the clean pool, and the dirty pool, so if you mm if you store up grace in your heart, it's able to actually come out. Mm. Like if you live under the whip of the law, if you try to submit yourself to the law and the law being the justification, for the Christian, it becomes unbearable because you will come, as, you, as a Christian, you'll grow in understanding the law. You'll understand more of what sin is. You'll understand more of what you're called to do. So you understand the sins of commission, right? Lying, cheating, stealing, um, lust, coveting, even jealousy. Um, and then you'll come to understand the sins of omission, right? Um, so if you see your brother or sister in need and say, go and be well fed, but, have not, but, but don't do anything, then how can, how can that faith save him? Or you'll think about the poor um, and you can just easily be overwhelmed. Um, yeah. you can just feel like such a failure that there's because there's so much need around you there's so much pain around you, and you feel that you can't do enough and I just know missionary after missionary uh or even here in the state, believers around extreme poverty to where that becomes just a crushing burden it becomes a graceless joyless life sucking just um life but First off, remembering the gospel, we work out of our identity, not for it. Hmm. Today, we have been made right because of what Christ has done. He, we stand before Him holy and blameless. That He loves us. We can go to prayer. Like prayer becomes powerful because you're praying from the right motive. It's not, oh, I'm I'm doing this so that you will accept me. Like if yeah. my kid came to me, if my if my, if my boy said dad, we wash the dishes now. Can we, can we get, do we get to be your son? (laughs) I would say, boy, no, that's, you are my child. Whether you wash the dishes or not, does not affect that. Like what, that's the wrong man. I don't want my children to have that mentality.
3: Yeah. Like I I
1: actually, I actually think the parable um, in Matthew 18, uh, is it a parable or story of the, of the unforgiving servant yeah so i think I think the King forgave him, but he didn't receive that forgiveness, and he immediately went to his servant, trying to get them to pay back every last penny, because I think he was not trusting the king. I think mm. he's trying to pay back the king, and if you uh. take salvation that way and you try to pay back Jesus for what he's given you, you will never be able to pay him and that's, you haven't actually believed the gospel. You haven't wow. received the gospel if you try to work for it. So you can't take up the armor of God if you turn to a works-based salvation. It's got to be Christ and Christ alone, the work of Christ, and not, not your work. And so I don't, I don't think you could be a joyful Christian if you don't remind yourself of these truths of the gospel.
0: Yeah, absolutely, man. Such powerful stuff, and I, I think another another way that that manifests sometimes is by compartmentalizing our spiritual lives. You know, um, it, it like you said, it becomes so much of a burden. Like that, that all the things that we could be doing and aren't, or should be doing and aren't, um, that the gospel kind of takes a back shelf uh, on our list of priorities throughout the week. And you know maybe during Sunday we're thinking about spiritual things or the gospel, but like when we're having conversations with people, it's not at the front of our mind. It's not something that we're trying to actually proclaim to people and share this good news that that we can have a right relationship with our Creator. And if it happens to come up in conversation, then that's great, and we we got some bonus points that we can go back to our church friends and you know tell them about. But um, as far as you know making it a central part of our lives and and a motivation for uh everything that we do it's you know it's just not not there for a lot of people and and i'm like i'm guilty of this as well like i'm i'm trying to be better about um constantly living with like a kingdom oriented mindset you know because i one of the things that that has struck me over the years is um do you ever, uh, maybe it's like, like March or April or or something, and you're thinking about like maybe when you were younger, you're thinking about Christmas and how much fun that'll be, or or you're looking forward to a vacation that's really far off the down the road, and you're like, man, that's gonna be so cool when that comes, um, but you're just not experiencing it then, and then it finally comes, and maybe in the moment where you're, uh, you know, just soaking in everything. Uh, around the Christmas tree, or maybe you're off on that vacation and it's in the very middle of it, and you're just having so much fun. And you think back to that time so long ago when you were looking forward to it and you're like, man, now I get to actually experience this, this thing, you know, that phenomenon, like we're, we're, we as Christians know that one day we're going to stand before God and, uh, and, and give an account for the things that we've, the, what, you know what we've done with the gospel and and the the talents that he's given to us, and you know it's easy to think of that as far off and down the road and kind of you know in the haze. But one day, like before we know it, we're going to be standing there, and uh, you know I'm that motivates me to to try to um, understand doctrines like this and and live them out. Every day, and not compartmentalized, so that when I do stand before God, I actually have something to show. Um, And and it's you know there's nothing there's nothing better to do with our time. You know, like the ultimate fulfillment is found in pursuing these things that have eternal value. You know, thinking about living for the kingdom of God that's that's going to be eternal, and not for this world that's just going to burn up and. You know, it's so hard to communicate that to Westerners who are so materially driven. Like we have everything at our fingertips, and it's so hard to communicate that these things aren't as cool as they seem. (laughs) You know that 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 ultimate longing for fulfillment is found in a right relationship with with our Creator that we can have because of the gospel, and and then. Beyond that, pursuing the 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 works that he's prepared for us beforehand, and living out the purpose that he has, like we we have a purpose in Christ, and we all know it. Like deep down, there's there's things that call to us, and that that, and things that we know, like there's something there's something out there that's worth doing that we should be pursuing. And and I think that at the very very top of that list is understanding the gospel, living it out, and sharing it with others.
2: Oh,
1: no doubt. Um yeah really as you're as you're speaking uh, it's almost like it's almost like you're trying to answer what's what's the motivation to do it
3: mm-hmm.
1: like what's the motivation to to proclaim to others and trying to dig that up a little more and yeah. so um yeah i was thinking kind of th- there's kind of three motivators that that could come to my mind right now so so one I talked about, um, uh, so like I, whatever you store up in your heart, that's what comes out. So if you want if you want grace in your heart, if you want grace coming out, you store it up, and, and there's that joy. Two, uh, when you talk about standing before the judgment seat of Christ, actually laying up treasures in heaven. So i yeah. i take that i take that um, Literally, I think uh, I, th- I think we're we're called, That's a command to lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and, and rust cannot destroy. That First Corinthians three very clearly shows a difference in reward amongst believers. That the, that the, in I think First Corinthians three fifteen, you see a believer that is saved, but only as one through a fire, because his works were burned up. And so he suffers loss. Uh, I still say, but he suffers loss to where if a Christian, I think, I think that a lot of Christians, especially here in the States would think about something like retirement, where they would want to have a good, they want to be in a good position for retirement. They're, they're very future minded. Um, But if they're not laying for them up treasures in heaven, they're, they're very short sighted. That there are, I think uh Second Peter, I'm thinking chapter one or three describes them as as being so nearsighted they're almost blind. That yeah. the rewards available are, are worth it and good and should be a motivating factor. Um another another motivating factor is experiencing the presence of God. So let me let me share two verses with you. Um Hold on, let me remember it. So, yep. So go to John 14, 21. Yeah, so John 14, 21. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love and manifest myself to it. Mm. So if you want to experience the manifest presence of God you keep his commands as you step out in obedience God reveals himself to you faith becomes more real um knowing him becomes deeper that he is the source of joy um another verse that comes to mind it, it kind of relates to persecution that you might think okay well why why endure persecution why endure rejection why why suffer and philippians 3:10 says that i may know him in the power of his resurrection and may share in his suffering becoming like him in his death if you want to experience the power of the resurrection and know christ in his suffering like you there's no other way than to suffer for him that hmm. and really i think this comes to proclamation that if you you could be a good christian just go to church on Sundays. Never proclaim Christ, and essentially never be rejected. Never suffer for him. That if you're just eager to do good and be kind to people, nobody has a problem with that. Um, but as you, as soon as you start proclaiming Christ, people can be hostile. A student is not um, above his teacher, what but will be like his teacher if they hated him. If they hated Jesus because he testified that the world's works were evil, so they will hate you as well. As soon as you start proclaiming sin, righteousness, repentance, the cross, and resurrection, you invite the scorn of the world and you get to know Christ better. That when you suffer for the gospel, for proclaiming him, prayer becomes more meaningful. Reading your Bible becomes exciting. It's like when you go and you sit in a, uh, in a um I'm thinking as people start serving in the church kind of for the first time, like if you've ever prepared a lesson where you've taught others, you learn so much more trying to teach others, studying yeah. the word, yeah. doing the work than you do sitting in there. And so mm-hmm. it's the same thing as each Christian is called to make disciples because Jesus said, um, go into all the world, ba- uh, make disciples. Teach them to obey all that I've commanded. Well, if you teach a disciple to obey the, all that he's commanded, then you're teaching them to go into the world and make disciples. And so each yeah. Christian's called to make disciples, and as they do that, they're going to grow in their faith. They're going to um, they're going to be rejected. They're going to they're going to suffer for him. They're going to lay up treasures in heaven, and and as they know him better, all of these motivations just start. Building
2: on themselves,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, That's that's great. I I I had wanted to get into like what we could expect, you know, good and bad, if we're actively sharing the gospel and and making it central to our lives. And that that pretty much nailed it. You know, we're we can expect a closer relationship with Christ. We can expect Him to manifest His love in our lives, and we can also expect persecution and trials and tribulations um and and probably um with that spiritual attacks as well right
2: yeah you know
1: one um one verse i've been sharing of people oh, let me think how to how to make this short okay <laughs> a lot of a lot of a lot of times i'm talking with christians trying to help them proclaim and mm. a lot of times people know they should but At some point, they've had a bad experience. They've shared with someone, it didn't go well, and now you imagine a 45-minute car ride home where they're trying to analyze what just happened. And so some lies come up. Some people say, oh, well, if they didn't accept it, it wasn't loving. So they Mm -hmm. judge what's loving by the person's reaction. Another thing, another lie they say is, I don't want to turn somebody off to the gospel. Oh, because yeah. I didn't say it right, I didn't say it at the right time, then I've turned somebody off to the gospel. But no, Guilty. that's that, a,
0: that, was, y- that one's my primary excuse is, well, I don't want to mess it up for someone else.
1: <laughs> yeah, but, but um, if, you, if you've ever come across, and see, I have these same problems, but if you read 1 Corinthians 1, 18, through the end of chapter two, you come to see how all that foolishness. That the gospel Mm. is foolishness to those who are perishing. And this is where I want to get into. If you're doing your job right, you will be the aroma of Christ to others. To those that are being saved, you're the aroma of life. To those that are perishing, you are the aroma of death. Mm. You're the stench of death to those that are perishing. That Jesus says it this way. Woe to you when all people speak well of you for so their fathers did to the false prophets. If believers get to this point where they think, anytime I share, somebody should res- respond positively, um, that I should have all these incremental positive you know, interactions with people until they finally uh, repent and, and believe. No, that
2: if, if people aren't... Um, like Jesus says, I didn't come to bring peace,
1: but but division.
3: Yeah.
1: If if you never experience division, if you never experience persecution, if you never suffer, if if all people just speak well of you, woe to you! Woe to you when all people speak well of you, for so they did of the false prophet. That all of those things really relate to the fear of man. That we've. Build up in the same way that people build up an idol of wealth, they build up an idol of the fear of man or their reputation. They they get there rather than being rooted in the gospel for their identity, they're rooted in the praise of man.
3: Hmm.
1: And so it's just a terrible. It's just um, it becomes you can never talk about Christ. You have to this thing that you love. You can never talk about because it will be offensive because it causes division. And so then it just gets pushed out and your Christian life becomes weak and you miss out on proclamation.
2: Yeah, man. Yeah,
0: those are definitely two huge stumbling blocks that um, I mean, I can attest to struggling with in my life, you know, getting distracted with the things of this world and like, you know, the wealth of this world and just the distractions of this world that. Is always in front of us, and then also, you know, just not wanting people to um, be angry or or dislike what it is I have to say, particularly particularly when it pertains to the gospel, because like I, I think that I mean I don't I I, I would say that I don't enjoy um, upsetting people but if if i have to i have to you know like with my job i upset lots of people <laughs> um and you know it it just it's, it is what it is but ups, upsetting somebody and and turning them off to the gospel is something that that um i certainly don't want to do and i get distracted with that i think and i don't have the right mindset all the time like you're talking about that you know i think that's a great way to put it that we're you know to those um you know, to, to people that are receptive to the gospel, where the aroma of life, and to people that are um, just running headlong towards destruction, where the aroma of death, because we're we're that reminder to them. I think I think that's really good.
1: Yeah, um, it's not the power of the gospel is not in the eloquence of our speech, and it's yeah. not in the timing that that we say it. It's not in even our motivation. That even, it's interesting, 1 Corinthians 1, I don't know, let's say 18 or 19, it's like, some preach Christ out of selfish ambition. And you would think the next sentence would be, oh, and they need to stop it, and they need to repent, which of course they need to. But he actually praises God so long as the gospel is preached. The power is not even in our motivation. The power is not in eloquence of speech. But it's in the gospel. It's the object of the message that um, it's it's if it's done perfectly, it is foolishness to those who are perishing. Um, yeah. Greeks, you know, uh, how does it say it? Greeks seek wisdom, and Jews want a sign. But we preach mm. Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and folly to the Gentiles. That um, if it if it never seems foolishness, you're not you're certainly not following the example of, of Christ and the disciples in the New
2: Testament. Hmm.
0: Yeah. So uh, so with that, what are some maybe practical steps for the Christian who's hearing all of this and thinking, man, I need to change the way that I handle the gospel. I, um, I, I want it to be something that's more in the front of my mind. I want to be obedient, like, like you were describing earlier. Mm-hmm. I want to be obedient to Christ as Lord so that, you know, his, his love and his presence manifests more in my life. And, and I want to store up treasures in heaven. And I want to live a life that's uh, full of the ultimate fulfillment of knowing my creator and walking with him. What would you say to, to someone like that?
1: Oh, uh, um, I mean, there's just kind of three things that come to mind. Uh, do it in the church. Hmm. Actually, do it. Don't worry about doing it perfectly. Um, just go out and do it. And three, part of the armor of God is is preparing, so um, you 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 grow in it. But don't wait. Don't think that oh, I need to get get fully grown and perfect before I can start sharing. I mean, when Jesus healed the uh, Garethinian demoniac, he had almost he had just what half hour of teaching instruction time with Jesus. And then he's sent off and he's going to preach to the Decapolis, the, the, the 10 surrounding cities that, um, yeah. So, so, so let me go through those. Um, so doing it in a church, having other people to bring this up as reminders, just like you need to be reminded of the, of the gospel, uh, bringing it up in a church. So praying for people, yeah uh, being a part of a small group, praying for people um being around other believers that are doing this uh so doing it in the group too just going going out and doing it that um read first Corinthians one eighteen through the end of chapter two that paul says, I've decided to know nothing among you except Christ and him crucified' that uh, I want you to understand that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. When you proclaim the gospel, um, which will be foolishness to some, the Holy Spirit convicts of sin, brings words to remembrance, um, can grant repentance, and can, when you make an appeal, 2 Corinthians 5 says, Jesus makes an appeal through you. So, so Christians, after we share with someone, we remember the worst part of what we shared and we think that's all the person's going to remember. But -hmm. the Holy spirit helps them remember exactly what he wants them to remember. He brings those things to remember and he works on them. He's wrestling with them. Um, So the power is in, uh, so understand faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God and the power is in the Holy spirit. So it's not in the timing that you chose to do it. It's not in you saying it perfectly, eloquence of speech. That's not where the power is. So just get out and do it. And then also, Mm. um, I would say, so the preparation of the gospel of peace, talking about the armor of God, at least have one way to share it. So whether it's your testimony, um, Romans road, way of the master, four spiritual laws, creation of Christ, at least have some sort of way so that when you want to talk to somebody, you're not um, um, just totally lost with your words.
0: Yeah. And I, I really enjoy uh, apologetics as a segue into the gospel. You know, I think that people like thinking and having conversations. And I think a lot of people are under the impression that religious people don't think that hard. And when you can present them with these solid, Apolog- yeah. Like ph- philosophical arguments for the faith, then it kind of stops them in their tracks, and then that gives you an opportunity to segue into what the gospel is.
1: Oh, man, exactly. I was talking with an atheist uh, a few weeks ago, a uh, friend of mine, and he was really into politics uh, and talking about all the things he doesn't like in this country and how people are living wrong and they're, they're, they're doing wrong, and I just asked him, I was like, what do you mean by wrong? And he said, well, well, like, yeah, it's it's wrong. It's it's evil. I'm like, what do you mean by evil? And, 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 and he's, and he's trying to explain it. And I'm asking, like, as an atheist, are you saying that you have your preferences? Like you prefer that people don't do these things, but other people prefer differently and their preferences are just as right as yours, but you just, but you're just trying to explain how you feel. So they're not actually wrong. They're not actually evil. You just prefer that they don't do those. He's like, no, they're wrong. He's like, you see, you know that there's right and wrong because you've been made in the image of God. You've been given a conscience and there is an absolute authority you're appealing to. You just want to be the authority. Mm. You just want to be the final one who can determine what's right and wrong. But but my friend, I, I was telling him, just follow this one step further. You know the only one that can do that is God, and you know that you've done wrong. That's why. And and he you know he's heard the gospel multiple times, but he was him and his wife were both really challenged by that. Um, mm,
3: that's awesome. Yeah.
1: So, um, yeah. So many so so many ways to get into it. Also, sometimes people try they get caught up in segways. they don't know how to bring the gospel up. And so they end up saying like very confusing, weird messages. They're, they're trying to relate to what the person's saying. And so sometimes, yeah. sometimes I've just, I've just asked people, I, okay. I am like I want to talk to someone I'm hanging around them. What do I say? And I've asked them like, do you know what the gospel is? Can I talk to you about Jesus? do you know what the main message of the Bible is? And a lot of times people say, no, not really. And there you go. Now you're perfectly set up to explain. Whereas if somebody's talking about finances and building wealth, you'd say, oh, well, if you really want to build wealth, you know, try to build wealth in Jesus. And 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 if it seems not genuine, it seems so corny that you feel like, oh, how am I good? And the person's like, Listen, I'm just trying to talk about whether we invest in stocks or mutual funds. <laughs> like and it's yeah. just you're not you're not really on the same topic. But a lot of times, yeah. if if you just ask people, hey, I've been praying for you. Do you know what the main message of the Bible is? I know you've heard a lot of things, but have you ever seen it for yourself? Man, it's so easy. Most of the time, if people will say, No, go ahead and explain it to me. Hmm that's it you just ask for the permission and then you don't feel guilty carrying on in the conversation you just explain it to them i mean yeah. just there you go read open john 3 read john three sixteen with them and have a conversation like yeah um just ask people if you can tell them talk about it
0: yeah and that's and and that's where having that 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 core understanding of what the gospel is comes in you know because if like how awful would it be if someone was like, no, I don't know what the gospel is. What is it? And you were like, um, it's uh Bible stuff and and, and the cross and you didn't have an answer prepared. So, yeah. um, so hopefully all of this has really helped, um, organize in, in people's minds, you know, what the gospel is, what we're supposed to do with it and, um, and how we can, uh, Prioritize that in our lives so that we're we're on the right track and we're doing the right thing. So, yeah. Any anything else uh, before we close this out? I think I think this has been really really good. I've I've been very encouraged by it.
1: Oh man! Yeah, so much. But um really, it's just it's just the jo- the joy of it that if you if you skip this area of your life, if you skip proclamation. There's so many areas of your life you won't be able to know Christ and you'll be much weaker as a Christian. Um you you're going to forfeit some of your rewards. And remember, you if you love him, you obey his command. And the one who obeys the father manifests himself to him. John 14:21 or 23, I can't remember which, but you, wanna, you want to experience the manifest presence of God, obey his commands, proclaim his word. Um, if you teach others to follow his ways, you'll be called the great in the kingdom of heaven. If you don't teach others to follow his ways, you'll be called least in the kingdom of heaven. Matthew 5. That,
2: yeah, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven.
0: Amen. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for for taking the time and and having the conversation. I really appreciate it.
2: Yeah, always a joy.
0: Absolutely.